Welcome back to Essential Viewing. I'm Cole Beelan. For today's episode, Chris had us watch Brian De Palma's 1983 gangster epic, Scarface, starring Al Pacino, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Stephen Bauer. If you'd like to watch along with us, next week we'll be watching the latest MCU fare, Spider-Man No Way Home, directed by Tom Watts and starring Tom Holland, Willem Dafoe, Jamie Foxx, and maybe some guest Spider-Men. We'll see. We've got a pretty packed holiday film schedule coming up, so check back in the coming weeks for more great Essential Viewing content. As always, thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed today's episode. All right, and we're back with another episode of Essential Viewing. Uh, Today we're going to be talking about the 1983 classic Scarface, directed by Brian De Palma and starring Al Pacino, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Stephen Bauer. But before we get into that, let's uh, go to the Essential Viewing Roundtable. This is the place where every week we uh, talk about the movies we've been watching and the TV we've been watching since our last episode. Uh, so Bryce, why don't you start us off with your, your roundtable? Yeah, so I'm going to have, I think I usually have my two bins of movies. Um, <laughs> this week I have my Marvel bin and my actual movie bin or other movie bin. Uh, in my Marvel bin, I've been rewatching some Spider-Man movies to get to get ready for Spider-Man Far From Home uh, in theaters only uh, starting December 17th, I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, buy your tickets now. This podcast is brought to you by Disney. Yeah, but anyway, so I watched um, the original Toby Spider-Man. Nice. And then oh, I nice. watched both of the um, Tom Holland ones. And I'm going to watch the rest of Toby ones before I see Far From Home as well. Or maybe not Spider-Man 3. But You don't, you don't want to see Jamie Foxx blowing it up as Electro in The Amazing Spider-Man 2, Bryce? I feel like I kind of need to because he's in this one also. Oh shit! Okay, I didn't know that. <laughs> I've never actually seen They're those all movies. Um, I've seen them. I didn't. I think I've seen the Gar- Andrew Garfield ones like once each, and I like had no desire to ever watch them again. Maybe I will again. But just a couple of fun things I noted from the original Toby movie that I'd never noticed before. Mm-hmm. You know, like that cage fighting scene when he is like he's like in the cage, he's trying to make some cash. There's yeah. like an announcer. The announcer in the ring is Bruce Campbell. Oh yeah, yeah. I feel yeah. like who is like a <laughs> Sam Raimi like classic. He's like mm-hmm. in a bunch of yeah, Sam the Evil Dead. So there's a fun little Bruce Campbell cameo there. And then the woman that like accepts Peter Parker's entrance to the cage match is Octavia Spencer. Oh, really? <laughs> I assume it's like one of like, like, you know, she wasn't a big time actress at this point. She's just like getting roles where she could. So it's like a very like quick, like 10 second scene, but it's just kind of funny. Huh. I have to there. mention, I have to mention, I met Bruce Campbell once. Wait, what? what? <laughs> it was in a bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> you're like oh you're Bruce no Campbell. he was he was literally at the urinal next to me and i realized it like after the fact that it was him he so was singing he was singing very loudly like wow was... so you <laughs> didn't get his nice. autograph no i the... did not i only realized yeah, no. it like oh. until afterwards <laughs> oh man that sucks yeah. so you, you didn't actually meet bruce campbell you, you like pissed in next presence, to him so. i peed next to him <laughs> Nice. I mean, he said hi to me, and I said hi back, but I was like, this guy has, like, a good voice, and he seems like he might be, like, someone famous, but he also just seems like a dude, and then I realized later, like, oh, my God, that was Bruce Campbell, but it was That's the late. appeal of Bruce Campbell. He's like he's like an everyman, but, like, a handsome everyman. Yeah, exactly. Very cool. Very cool. And the final cameo, or I don't know if it's a cameo, but Elizabeth Banks is also in this movie. She's, like, a random reporter in the Daily Planet, or not the Daily Planet, at the... Super the Daily, Daily Bugle. Bugle. How dare you, Bryce? But anyways, just oh man, the great great time with all those Spider-Man movies, especially J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson. You can't and classics. You can't you can't top that. Um, and then my other bin is I watched 
in the theater, I saw West Side Story. Wait, this is the garbage bin? <laughs> Which bin is this? No, no, this, this is my other bin. I'm oh. trying, to, <laughs> trying to speed through here. I don't need to talk about all these Spider-Man movies. This is the good bin. Okay. I, I absolutely loved it. I, I know I couldn't get us to do it for a live episode because you guys are anti-musical, but I honestly think that like if you guys are going to like a musical, it's going to be this one. <laughs> but what if we're not going to like a musical? <laughs> I feel like you're, you're, you're more likely to not like it, but like if you were going to like one, it would be this one because it's really about like two gangs of like dudes that are like brawling against each other. And like it's super well shot, like really well acted, like... We talk a lot about like style and like I feel like musicals are one of the genres that often have like the most like intense or heightened style in, t- in terms of like cool things we've done with tracking shots and cameras and whatnot. And this one is, is no exception. Um, so since we couldn't get it as a live episode, who knows? I might have to make it one of my picks here. Mm. But anyways, nice. that, that's what I've been watching. Nice. I'll, I'll, I'll go next. I had a. Uh... Kind of an interesting uh, week. Well, the, I watched these movies now, like exactly one week ago. But like, I think you guys are probably familiar with the concept of like a, a plane movie. Like, it's like a movie you'll watch on a plane. I'm a big, oh, yeah. big believer in that that idea. Yeah. You you are a big believer in it. I I am. Yeah. Yeah. I tend to watch bad like action movies on planes. <laughs> I watch like rom coms. Like stuff I would like never watch otherwise. See, that's that's the thing is like I I wouldn't even stoop to watching rom-coms. I'll be like, oh, I've been wanting to watch this, and and uh, and and so and I've had a like a good stroke of luck with the recent films I've watched on planes. One that I forgot to mention in a, a previous roundtable was, um, and this was like months ago, but I watched uh, another round that the most recent Thomas Vintberg film with. Oh, our, you watched that on a plane? I mean, yes, I did. I don't. Oh, I love that movie. And and, and it's really good. I don't want to. But that was you know a long time ago. That's not a plane movie. No, that's the thing is like I've I've been watching like these actual good movies on planes. Why well, you gotta watch okay. the rom coms? I watched the um, the Will Ferrell Amy Poehler movie uh, The House on a plane. One oh, time. I know someone that's in that movie actually. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> I've even heard of this one. It's oh, it's, it's good. It's good. When I was on a plane, I watched um, the Chris Pratt Amazon movie. What was it called? Oh, the Forever, the Tomorrow War. The, the Tomorrow, Tomorrow War. War. It was so the bad. The Forever Battle. The Forever Battle. It was so bad. Uh, anyway, so so uh, last Monday when I was on my flight back to San Francisco, I I had the pleasure of watching the, another film from 1983 that wasn't Scarface: Risky Business. Oh, I've been wanting to watch that one. Oh, with Tom Cruise. With more con- Tom Cruise. Yeah, continuing my Tom Cruise hot streak. I I think that this may be a pick for me in the future. Um, I'll say Ooh. that now. It's it's a movie that um it's it's very interesting. I don't I won't spoil a lot of it. I was expecting some kind of like Ferris Bueller's Day Off like shenanigans, especially considering the only thing I knew about the film prior to going into it was like that one scene where Tom Cruise is like in his underwear and he slides across the floor and starts singing. But it's like a surprisingly kind of like dark and erotic teen comedy oh, which man. sounds sounds weird and it has like a fantastic soundtrack tangerine dream which is like a german electronic uh group um that have been around for a long time like i think they still make music they did the soundtrack for risky business and it's like incredible it's it's up there i i really really enjoyed it and then the second film i watched directly after risky business was lost in translation oh i was thinking about choosing that as a pick (laughs) 
is that um that's like Bill Murray? Right? Bill Murray and Scarlett Johansson yeah. in like a very early role for her. Like she looks like twenty, like just like twenty years old or something in in uh, Lost in Translation. Yeah. That's one of those I like seen a long time ago that I really liked that I kind of wanted to revisit and thought like an episode would be a good place to do it. <laughs> I guess if you might pick it in the future, Bryce, I'll just say that it's. I think I'm just like predisposed to not liking a movie like Lost in Translation because it's just like kind of a quirky romance sort of emotional film between uh, just you know these two characters but I somehow like came out like enjoying it quite a bit it, it also has a really great soundtrack and it's almost like it because it, it's set in Tokyo in like the early 2000s parts of it kind of like bordered on like a vibe movie for me where you just kind of like th- throw it on and you've got like this kind of music and like the the scenes through the time and it's just like these characters kind of like wandering around Tokyo like doing shit um, it was it was it was pretty it, good. I feel like it's one of those you think like it's gonna be like a super like cliche like romantic kind of movie, but like it's not that at all. No, yeah. I was thinking like what is like a movie that's like a little more like subdued than like these like hyper violent <laughs> gangster <laughs> movies that I can get on the podcast that, like you guys will still not not hate. And this is one that that came to mind. <laughs> yeah, hyper violent gangster movies. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> what is what? <laughs> But yeah, and then uh, this isn't so much a film, but I uh, went, I, I started watching the original Cowboy Bebop anime series this week. I know that like the live action one just like came out on Netflix, and I'm very it got uh, canceled. Oh, I'm I'm very bearish on it. So is Netflix apparently. <laughs> yeah, but I had heard a lot of good things about the original series, and I watched the first two episodes, and it's it's pretty good. It's good. I um. I, I like it. The, the the music is also excellent in that as well. It's like very. It's a very an interesting like kind of jazzy score for like a future sci-fi anime. I'm gonna have to um, check out that anime and skip the, the live action. <laughs> but anyway, Chris, uh, t- finish up the roundtable for us. Oh man, I got a big roundtable this week. I've been watching a lot of stuff. <laughs> I got a big roundtable. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I started the week off, and it, it seems like a long time ago now. But I watched um, Licorice Pizza last Sunday. Uh, in theaters uh, on 70 millimeter, which was which was nice. I you know I wasn't I was coming into it. You know I'm a huge PTA fan. Paul Thomas Anderson for yes, the Paul Thomas initiated. Yes, um, so, and I, I've seen all of his all of his features. And so, I, but I was coming into this one kind of like mid bull, not not like super bull. You could say PTA is to Chris what Wes Anderson is to me. Yes, he was on a, a just a buy rating, not a hyper buy. Yeah, exactly. Not a not an overweight rating. Uh, you know, I think this is one that, like, I honestly, I probably would have skipped it if it weren't a PTA film. And I honestly, you know, personally, I, I think you'll like it a lot, Bryce, when you see it. It's kind of like a sort of PTA's little like it's his his own like Once Upon in Time in Hollywood or um, Dazed and Confused type situation. Things I didn't I didn't like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Well, it's similar much. in the sense that it's like it's weaving fictional characters into a like this uh, what's the word like uh, kind of this this tapestry of like period piece fictionalized versions of famous people from the time period which in this case is like the the 70s um it's kind of this like coming of age rom-com dramedy type situation the the main actress alana heim she was she was great i really like her music and pta has like directed a lot of their um music videos i believe yeah the other lead was cooper hoffman who's like philip seymour hoffman's son he was he was pretty good i don't know the movie 
I like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Dazed and Confused both better than this movie. I thought it was mm. fine. I didn't. I wasn't really a huge huge fan of it. I, I haven't really been thinking about it much since I since I saw it. You'll like it though, Bryce Cole. You can go either way. Bryce will definitely like it. All right, I'll, I'll definitely be seeing it then. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, and then continuing, uh, I also I watched this 1968 film called The Swimmer, which was amazing. It's kind of like. Uh, it would actually, it's a film that would pair really nicely with um, American Psycho. It's like American Psycho, but like in the suburbs instead of in the city. And it's like weirdly like chill. It kind of feels, it, it has this like Twilight Zone kind of feel to it. If you guys have seen The Twilight Zone, which is one of my all time favorite TV shows. Twilight Zone, yeah. yeah, it feels like an extended episode of The Twilight Zone almost. It's, it's an amazing movie. It's based on a short story that was published in The New Yorker. And uh, it's starring uh, this guy, Burt Lancaster, who I believe was a big star of the time the description i'm reading on letterboxd is like sounds bizarre it, it is a bizarre movie it's it's totally not what i expected at all and i was blown away would recommend for sure it's it's a slow burn movie but it's like totally like it's gripping honestly in a way that's like it's weirdly like like it's kind of like this almost psychedelic um hmm. in the way that it plays out it's it's I've, i haven't seen anything like it it's it's cool um wow. I would recommend. And then after that, I, I was able to go um, and see The Matrix in theaters. Oh, nice. Uh, Did you get that IMAX screening? Not IMAX, but but still, like, the feeling of, of sitting there with a bucket of, like, extra buttery popcorn in my hand <laughs> and seeing and seeing the words The Matrix on screen in a movie theater. And let me say, I was in the worst – I was on, like, the 15th floor of the AMC in Times Square, like, the worst, lowest quality, like, screening – auditorium they had the chairs had like stains on them and you know it was like the lowest quality in a theater movie viewing experience ever but still seeing the matrix up there and seeing you know like seeing morpheus come out on the the big screen for example like i i was getting emotional like i I teared up to be honest with you that was an experience um because you know the matrix is one of my all-time, all-time favorite movies let's hope, let's ever. Let's hope they don't mess up Resurrections, huh? Oh, I'm, I, I don't know about that, Bryce. I am, I am extremely bearish on that. I yeah. Mean, I, I, I've abandoned all expectations for that movie. Um, okay, and I have one more. So I went to the IFC Center once again in, mm-hmm. in scenic Greenwich Village, New York, at midnight to watch yet another uh, film from Alejandro Jodorowsky. This time I was watching uh, The Holy Mountain. Mm. And this is another weird movie. Um, you know, again, like this guy, Jodorowsky, he's weird. He's the star. In, at least, I mean, I saw El Topo before he was the star in that one. So this one, it's like, uh, once again, like these kind of strange, like psychedelic Monty Python vibes. Basically, there's like this guy who's like a Jesus. Uh, his job is to pose for plaster molds of Jesus that are then made into like statuettes that are sold people who want to buy that uh, of like jesus on the cross so he's basically a jesus impersonator okay and he gets recruited by like the main guy who's played by the director and he wears this big hat and this guy like he recruits like these these like warlords and like entrepreneurs and celebrities from like each planet in the solar system what and then together they 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 climb the holy mountain to, to try and defeat the immortals which is this like secret group of immortal people that sit on top of the holy mountain and a whole bunch of other stuff happens i mean it's a weird movie there's one scene where like the jesus guy wants gold so they like basically they make him poop in a bucket and then they like <laughs> they the like fuck? hot box him <laughs> 
<laughs> they like hot box him with his own poop, and I guess if it goes through, if like <laughs> if it goes. <laughs> If it Sorry. goes through enough times, it like turns into gold. Like he keeps inhaling it, and then they do it over and over again. It turns into gold. It's weird, okay? Like it's a weird movie. Okay, I'm looking at I'm looking at some like still shots of the film on Google, and they they, they look dope. Like there's some shots of like this guy, like and like a cloaked figure with like two women flanking him. Yes, that's like the that's that's what drew me to the movie as well. Is that that was like the first thing I saw. But this sounds um, wild. It's it's like, really weird. Fuck? Like I I. I it's out there like oh man it's it's hilarious. cool if you get a chance to go see it late at night like I'd, I'd recommend it i don't know if you'd want to like put it on it was a funny movie i wasn't expecting it to be funny because all i'd seen was that thing that you were referencing with the guy in, in black with the women but like it was actually like a comedy and it, like i said if you like like monty python you'd like this although like this director has this weird thing in all his movies where he has like Lots of like amputees walking around and it's just strange. So I watched all those things and then that culminated with me watching Scarface. But let me take a moment to say that if you have anything you'd like to say to us, the cast and crew of Essential Viewing, make sure to leave us a voice message at the link in the description of this episode. You can tell us your thoughts about Scarface, The Holy Mountain, Scarface, the video game, whatever it may be, and we will respond to them here on air on the podcast so scarface let's talk about it i'll fire up the chainsaw i'm getting it warm <laughs> rev up rev up your chainsaws who would like to synopsize scarface you gotta you gotta pick chris you gotta pick okay bryce give us a All synopsis right. of scarface and then we'll i, I made the you do avengers i guess i'll do scarface <laughs> my um, revenge so it opens on 1980s in miami oh no it starts with a text crawl and they're like telling you about how all these people came, like political refugees came from Cuba to Miami to escape uh, Fidel Castro for like political persecution. But it's like within the boat of like these 125,000 political refugees, there are also just like 25,000 like criminals that um, Castro was trying to get rid of. Sure enough, our main man, Tony Montana Al Pacino, is one of those criminals. Um, so he moves from Miami to Cuba, moves from Cuba to Miami, and he gets like put in this, um, what do they call it? Like a, it's basically like a, like a freedom, detention, like a freedom yeah, camp is what they called camp. it. But like yeah. it's this like detention center because they didn't want to like release all these immigrants into the, the streets of Miami. Um, so he's stuck in there for a little bit um, with his friend. Uh, Manolo. Manny. Manolo, Manny, yeah. Yeah. Um, eventually they get the opportunity to like take this guy out that like somebody on the outside once killed. Then like they'll get green cards and they'll get out of the um, detention camp. So they do that. Then like they get a job like washing dishes for a while, and then they're like we want out of this. So then like they get a job to like help with the cocaine deal, and then they the cocaine deal goes horribly, doesn't go as expected, but like it ends out being good for them because they get the money and the cocaine. Yeah, during this cocaine um, deal is when the aforementioned chain, chainsaw enters. Yes. Then that kind of gives them a good space, like that gets them noticed, like this guy's cocaine business. And then um, they kind of climb up the ranks of his cocaine business. And then eventually... Frank Lopez. Frank, yeah. Lopez. Frank's like the head honcho. Eventually yeah. he's like, oh, Mr. Mr. Al Pacino, Tony's getting like too good at this. So he like tries to get Tony killed. Um, I'm going to go into full spoilers. But I'm like, oh, this is a really old movie. <laughs> but he's going to decide to watch Scarface because of our opinions on it. <laughs> um, so then they try to kill him. They fail. He like gets a machine gun, gets his way out of there. 
And then he goes back at Frank pissed, kills Frank, like essentially takes over his business. And gets his wife. Played by Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. And then eventually he's like dealing cocaine with like these Bolivian entourage. Um, he's doing business with, with Frank's supplier who is Sosa. Yeah. yeah. So so he's in with this, these Bolivian guys too, which is like supplying the cocaine. Um, and at one point in the movie, Sosa's like, don't fuck with me, whatever you do. A lot of people say that. <laughs> A lot of people say that throughout the movie, yeah. But anyways, so, like, eventually, like, things are great. He's getting rich. He's, like, getting all these other, like, shell businesses and loads of money and cars and everything you could ever want. Um, But then this guy asks him to take out, that's, like, going to leak some some news about, like, a Bolivian general or something that was, like, going to, like, connect him to the cocaine trade. Well, this guy is basically pulling back the covers on the entire, like, international sort of cocaine trafficking kind of conspiracy that involves both U.S. and Bolivian government officials. He's basically yeah. exposing the whole thing. Yeah, so so says the Bolivian cocaine suppliers, like, yo, Tony, you got to take this guy out. Um, if you don't, I'm going to be pissed. So then, like, they have this plan that to blow him up in front of the UN, you know, to kind of send a message. But then the guy's, like, wife and kids also are in the car, which they weren't expecting. So then Tony's like, no, I'm not going to kill his wife and kids. Um, so then instead he shoots the other guy in, in the car with him that, like, has the detonator. So th- that guy doesn't die, the reporter. But then, of course, Sosa's super pissed. So he sends, like, his death squad to Tony's mansion for the legendary final scene yes where he finally says the line i'd been waiting for the whole movie <laughs> say hello to my little friend yeah so then he like shoots his grenade launcher which i've been waiting for the entire movie um blows up some guys but then in the end there's too many for for just tony to fight off by himself so then he dies um, and he falls into the, his own he falls pool. into his own pool and there's also some stuff in there about his uh his sister and his mom. <laughs> Just some some stuff. As as always, Bryce, an an excellent synopsis of the film. Thank so how is how did I do? No, it's uh, good. I think. I mean, it was like th- three out of five. Hey, it's it's a three hour long movie. Yes. Okay. I, I will just mention that the some stuff is that Tony Montana's sister, his precious yeah, little sister. Yeah, that's pretty important, actually. Yeah. yeah, is and so he he wants to make good, you know, for his family, take care of his mother, take care of his sister. Obviously, his mother is like, okay, you didn't just become like a doctor overnight. Like, clearly, you're you're doing, you know, you're selling drugs or something. When he comes in and when he like reunites with his family for the first time and tries to give them a thousand dollars, his mother says to him, who did you kill to get this money? Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. he wants, he wants to do well for his family and make his mother proud, take care of his sister, but his mother won't have it because his mother knows what he's doing. His sister on the other hand though, ends up because of his influence getting pulled into this life that Tony didn't want her to have anything to do with. Right. There's also like these kind of quasi incestuous undertones to the whole thing that make not like overtly, but almost in like a Shakespearean way, like kind of wants her to himself, but but not like literally, but like doesn't want anyone else to have her. Not that he mm-hmm. he intends to actually do anything with her, but he just doesn't want anyone else to have her. But anyways, his yeah, it's sister quite gets the, him. It's quite the double standard he presents there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm going to make you, Michelle, fight for mine like nobody else. Yes. So his sister gets involved with his best friend, uh, Manny, who he ends up near the end of the movie in his kind of cocaine-fueled delirium rage he ends up killing his best friend after discovering that uh he is eloped with his sister gina okay quick aside here all i could think throughout this entire movie was every time manny was on the screen i was like 
That is Cuban Henry Cavill. He's a good. <laughs> he's a good-looking guy. <laughs> yeah, that thought never crossed my mind, Bryce. But I, I mean, I can see it. He's got the kind of like slick back uh, yeah. hair. He looks just like Henry Cavill. So we, we, we you know, we, we've given a pretty good synopsis of this three-hour-long movie, um, and that brings us now to the first impressions. Mm. So, Cole, I hope that chainsaw is. It's it's nice fired up. Now. It's get gassed and ready to rumble. So tell us what what I mean what what can I say about Scarface that hasn't already been said? This movie is iconic. It's classic. It is just all. It is like an excessive film about an excessive period in time. Everything is excessive about Scarface, including the runtime, <laughs> and it fits. It's like it's just like like perfect. It's like perfect for the the type of story that's being told. And I liked Scarface. To, 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 if you guys can't can't uh, put that together, um, I've seen this movie before, like seven or eight years ago, like right after I graduated from high school. And I remember I was I was like watching it with a friend. It was kind of just on. We weren't paying a lot of attention to it. And I think I that I was also lost. It was lost to me. The movie's almost three hours long. But like th- this movie has influenced so much like pop culture. Yeah. And so, like, there's so many iconic lines from it that, like, everyone knows, even if you haven't seen it. Like Bryce mentioned earlier, say hello to my little friend. Yeah, I mean, uh, without this movie, the video game Scarface, The World is Yours, <laughs> would not, not exist. exist. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, like, it's, and I don't want to just say that the, I don't want to just commend the movie because of its, like, influence and, like, how how much stuff, like, it is, like, how, how many things it has touched since it was released. But, like... It is a it, it is like a a good film overall. Um, I, yeah, if I, cultural impact comes into your ranking, I think you should give an Avengers a couple more. Points. Ah, get out of here! Get out of here! <laughs> uh, I, again, I don't want to just commend the movie because it's so influential. I do think that that Scarface is like kind of like revered or like Tony Montana is kind of idolized in a way, which it, by like in pop culture, like he's kind of. Uh, put on a pedestal by but in like by like bros more or less he's yeah. he's idolized yes you know yes. and, and, and i don't and i don't necessarily what? i don't agree with that like he's a pretty tragic character actually and this this film i think is able like there's a there's you know more beneath the surface of like mo- money and guns and women T- tony montana is like an icon the character is like iconic i think like it's one of the foundations of like the 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 shift that in rap music that happened around a few years after this to like more aggressive kind of music i think tony montana like was a big inspiration for that it's like one of the central cultural myths i would say of like american culture now even though it's a movie from a long time ago but anyways yeah. continue cool yeah um i think there there are some like really like i i've seen uh, I, I guess just one other Brian De Palma film before this, Body Double, which came out three <laughs> years three years after Scarface, and like the movies are so vastly different in terms of like scale and scope, and like I not I like not to say I didn't like Body Double, but there's there's so much going on. Like this movie, it, there's some shots where you have just like so like um especially in the refugee camp early on in the film, there's this really great shot that's tracking Manny as he's walking through the crowd, and he's like. 
he's set apart because he's wearing like a red tank top and everyone else is kind of in just like normal like nicer clothes and it's like a long take and it's kind of starts from high up and it starts to descend onto the crowd and tracks behind him as he walks through it and so these like really impressive elaborate shots with like a lot of bodies on the screen that like made this feel like a big like kind of tentpole like film production which it was and um and it's and like i i commend it for that um they're uh, kind of going back to cinematography there's some like de palma or whoever's in charge of the camera this seemed to be like a big fan of these again these kind of like long tracking shots that start kind of above the scene and they kind of like descend down um which is really I, I i really enjoy like all of them are, are really captivating and like kind of set the the space that you're in and like yeah it's 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 there's some some comedic moments there are excellent they're like just like incredible one-liners the score is great chris i know last week you mentioned giorgio Moroder kind of did the film soundtrack and like yeah. the, the, the disco scene like it paints like an excellent kind of feel for miami in the 80s so Sorry, I didn't mean to like wax poetic, but um, Chris, why did you uh, why did you pick this? I mean, you guys know you guys know that I love these these big, epic, gangster movies, and you know, I mean, we we watched Goodfellas, and that one didn't didn't resonate, so I was like, well, let's 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 try again, let's do Scarface. Um, <laughs> I like this you know, much and, more than Goodfellas, and that's interesting. I, I'm I'm interested in that, um, you know, and and for me, like this movie, this is one of those movies that like. I've seen it so many times. Uh, I hadn't seen it in a while, which is why I thought it was a good time to pick it. But like, it's one of those that's just like, kind of again, like we were talking about the Matrix earlier. Like one of my like sort of foundations in like loving movies was was like was this movie. You know, I had it's it, like it exposed me to the idea of movies telling a really grand, epic story. You know, and that idea of the rise and fall. You know, this character who starts from the bottom and you know gets to the height of the heights but then it's kind of like corrupted by the excesses that that are become available to him as he you know gains this sort of wealth and and power and you know and then is brought you know crashing down even faster than his rapid ascent um and kind of destroyed by his own sort of you know the, the 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 personality traits that allowed him to to rise so quickly to the top are also eventually would bring about his downfall. I think it's like a beautiful, big story, you know, and the aesthetic, you know, the lushness of of Miami in the 80s. And it, it just feels like, you know, it, it, it just, it, it has everything that I look for in a movie. It has that that grit, um, you know, but it also has this kind of, you know, it's just cool, right? Like, I don't, it just it's just cool. Like, it just, you want to be there. You know what I'm saying? Like, you want to be riding in the in the back seat with Tony Montana on the way to do a deal, you know? Like, <laughs> you, 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 you want to be a part of it. <laughs> yeah, like, I, like you want to be there. Like, you want to be on that adventure, you know? And it's, it's like, that's... You, you want to like, be in the bathtub with the chainsaw. Yeah, I want to be, be there. <laughs> So yeah, I mean it's it's an experience, um, and it was it was cool to to watch it again. I mean I love this movie like all the I mean we can I can talk about how I liked everything like how I liked the acting and the cinematography and everything, but like I liked everything about this movie. It's a classic for me, and it's one of those like central movies that when I think about like what are the movies that, like define my taste. This is one of them. Um, so I won't even bother going into all the details of why I liked it. 
Um, Bryce, what did you think? I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking we're going to have the dis- dissenting opinion here. <laughs> so I liked it more than Goodfellas also. All right, um, all right, that's a start. But I feel like I stopped when I when it was over. I still like I felt felt kind of similar to how I felt when Goodfellas was over. In that, like, like the movie was like very well made, very well put together. Like Al Pacino's like crazy good in this in this role, but I just felt like thematically, like it wasn't doing anything that was like amazing me or like making me think about anything too critically. Like, as far as just, like, telling the story of, you know, this guy, like, going from rags to riches to dead, <laughs> like, it does that really well, and, I mean, there's no there's no complaints there, but, like, I mean, I was about to say, oh, it's very long, but so is Avengers Endgame, so I don't want <laughs> to make that as a, as a complaint. Um, I, I like long movies, so I don't, I don't have an issue with that, but I was, like, I was super into, like, the beginning or like the first hour or so um there's like these scenes like of the about the immigration the the freedom camps you know what i'm talking about i kind of like i really like that that aspect of the movie as far as like you know he's an immigrant coming to this country trying to like you know take his piece of the american dream um so i like i like that angle they were playing there um <laughs> and some of the initial um I don't know, I don't know call it action, but like some of the initial sequences in the movie were just like fantastic, especially the one where um, I was talking about like their, their initial cocaine so, deal um, where everything goes wrong and the chainsaws come out. I thought that sequence was like really well created. That kind of like there's this great shot where like the camera like is in the apartment where like everything's going wrong and like it yeah. rotates out to show like what's his face henry cavill like hitting on some <laughs> some miami beach girl like walking by in his convertible one like contrasting that with like the limbs like getting chopped off in the um in the bathtub in the hotel i thought that whole sequence was like fantastic but then i guess maybe after about halfway through i just kind of got less interested and just kind of felt it kind of dragging on and going mm-hmm. on for too long i don't think any well besides the this the finale um which is another like you know fantastic sequence. I feel like in the middle it, it died down a little bit for me. It sounds like maybe you you started liking it less when Tony Montana started becoming a, more of a bad dude. Am I wrong? I mean, he's a bad guy the entire. <laughs> but like when he goes really when he gets really like morally bankrupt, it sounds like that's that's when you. I mean, he like he like kills somebody and like oh no wait does he kill him or does his um he stabs the guy or does. In the refugee. I mean, yeah, he he kills the guy like in one of the very first scenes in the movie. So like, I never thought he was like a good dude at all. It just it's interesting what you what you what you said about how like you liked how in the beginning it was looking at this American dream angle of things because I feel like that's that is like one of the central ideas of the movie, but it's but it's actually this movie is actually taking a rather um, cynical perspective on the American dream and what that is and what that means and, and what it does to people. And I think that's like the central idea of this movie. Yeah. I think that's like the main part of it that I, that I liked. But I think like when you think about like what this story, you were saying like the themes are kind of, you know, uh, weren't necessarily doing it for you. I, I don't I know. Mean, if- I, the themes, the themes in terms of like getting power corrupts you, like that's been done. I mean, I guess maybe, I don't know. It's just like a very, Classic. I mean, it's been it's been done by this movie. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think for me, I'll, I'll say like the thematic elements, like I, I get what you're saying, Bryce. Like there's nothing, I mean. Like there's nothing too surprising about like power corrupts guy into doing bad things. Like. And granted, I mean, this this is also a remake, right? Like this is a remake yeah. of, an, of yeah, a film from 1932. Um, and, and to say like, oh, well, it's, I've seen this before. And it's like, well, Scarface may have influenced other, has definitely yeah, influenced yeah. other films in the depiction of these themes. For me, I still like stand by and say I, I enjoy it quite a bit just because of like as a cinematic like viewing experience from like uh, and, and just like in, in, in just general enjoyment watching the film. Like I can get behind that. Um, I, I, I will say that, uh, I think that the f- aspects of the plot or the, the story in general felt, felt like Shakespearean, like it felt like this was yes. almost like a, a play, um, yes. with, it, with like the highs and lows and like the different kind of developments, especially when, um, Tony Montana eventually ends up killing his best friend because he's sleeping mm-hmm. with his sister or it actually marries his sister. And, um, it, it's like, it's like very like o- over the top in that sense, in a way that, you know, a stage play often feels. I- I'm gonna I'm gonna push back on the assertion like on the idea that the mo- the themes of this movie are stale because I, I honestly I feel like they're more they're more relevant than ever right now I mean I think this movie it's more than just like the idea that power that power corrupts you I think I think there's a lot more going yeah, on here than that I, I agree that like you know kind of like chasing the American dream and how it's not really something that's attainable you know it's kind of like well, it's, false. Yeah, I mean, like this guy, this guy. Think about it. Like he's he's tossed in to America, you know, from a completely different place with an entirely different culture instead of laws. He's tossed into America just like, you know, with no idea of what to do, right? And he, you know, he looks around, right, and he sees the way other people are living. He says, "I want that," right? Mm-hmm. And why shouldn't he want that? Everyone else seems to have it, right? He's remember the scene where he's standing there in the in the sandwich place and he's looking across and he sees the people going to the club, right? And he sees the guy with some woman and he's like, "Oh, I want her." And oh, and then his manny's like, "Well, you got to look like him. You got to have the style. You got to have the finesse that he has if you want to get that, right?" That's all. That's how he, he he gets to America. He looks around. He sees everyone else seems to be living a certain kind of life. I want it too, right? And it's the pursuit of that lifestyle, the one that has been modeled for him by the culture of America, right? By the 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 consumerism and the greed and the materialism, right? The the excess of America, not of Tony Montana, but of America, right? It's his pursuit of those same things that leads him to his destruction, right? And he, there's even a great scene. Yeah, I about, like that a lot. Yeah, and there's even a great scene. Uh, like two thirds away through the movie, where he's in this fancy restaurant, and you know, with um, Elvira played by Michelle Pfeiffer, and and uh, and um, Stephen Bauer, um, Manny, his best friend, is there, and he's looking around. He's like, "This is what I work for," you know. He's sitting there in his tuxedo, and he's got the fancy drinks and everything that you could ever imagine in some country club kind of place, right? Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, I'm I'm I work for this to be like these people, and he goes on this whole kind of. Um, rant about you know turning into a, a mummy in a, in, a, in a suit and you know just getting old and you know your your body degrading and you're just eating everything you want to eat and you're just you know just rotting away in wealth right so he kind of realizes like I did all this I hustled so hard and killed all these people to get this the American dream 
which turns out to just be worthless. Like I, I have money. I have yeah. a tiger in my backyard. I have a big mansion. <laughs> I have this woman that America told me I'm supposed to want to have and all these things. And what does it mean? Was it, is it fulfilling? No. Right. And then when he realizes that, that's when he starts going down cocaine road and eventually, you know, completely spinning off the rails. And, and yeah, that was, that was rule killed. number two. Right. Never get. Yeah. Never try your own supply. Never try your own supply. Yeah, I mean, I really liked that was the aspect of the story I liked a lot. Um, I just think the aspect as far as like, it maybe it was different, you know, back when it came out, but just like as far as like getting corrupted by your power and success seems very like unchallenging. And then I also thought that um, I guess like you're saying like, oh, I started to like it less once like Tony was becoming like worse of a person. Um, I guess I mean, I always thought he was like a he was like a bad person throughout the entire movie <laughs> so like i didn't like feel as bad or whatever when like he started to you know really really fall like towards the ending it was kind of just like like i feel like if i would as i was never really rooting for him throughout the whole movie at all so maybe if i was like more relatable or like i liked him more at the beginning you know maybe the ending would have been more impactful yeah i mean i, I mean know. he's like killing people and like lying and saying derogatory things towards women like you know the entire <laughs> movie so like i'm never like you know i'm never like behind him 100 percent the whole time but he does get you know worse and worse as it as it goes on but you know if he would have started off like from a little bit of a a better spot maybe i would have been um more into the whole kind of fall fall portion i feel like that's a tough standard to have because like that's so limiting to what kind of stories you can tell if the yeah. character has to be i mean this guy he, he's coming from you know and this this whole the the whole introductor introduction of the movie the marielle boat lift it was called that's all real like that's all stuff that really happened you know what i'm saying it's like this yeah. guy this guy has grown up you know dirt poor in cuba and i mean his his sister's a good example of it right like she's like you know quote unquote living like the honest life like with living with her mom and like um working the beauty salon and then eventually she gets she gets roped in and then you know eventually but this guy this guy he's doing what he knows right and he also he wants he doesn't want to be like an honest man with working man with a job right he wants what he sees everyone else having you know what i'm saying and yeah. I think, again, like this ties back to like, you know, today we have this whole idea of like hustle culture. Right. And you have everyone, you know, you go on YouTube, you go on Instagram, you see a thousand different videos telling you to grind, grind, grind. You know, here's how you can make a million dollars overnight. Right? You got to get rich. You got to get rich as fast as possible. You got to do whatever it takes to get there. Right. And there's just such like this like manic, like kind of force coming from all directions, telling people like they have to make it right. And like making it means basically like, you know, getting insanely rich. You know, you look at stories of people getting turning into millionaires overnight with things like Bitcoin. You know, now people are flipping NFTs for for millions of dollars. Right? I'm just saying like we have this culture that's so obsessed with like, yeah. how are you going to how are you going to hustle hard and get as rich as you can as fast as possible? Right. That's why I'm saying this movie feels so relevant. It's because this culture exists now and it existed in the 1980s, right? And maybe now we have crypto and all these things. Back back then in 1983, they had cocaine. That was how you did it. You know what I'm saying? So, like, he, he he's come to America and he's basically fallen prey to all these forces. You know what I'm saying? The idea of just making an, you know, keeping that dishwashing job, making an honest living, that doesn't make sense to him. When you see guys pulling up to the Babylon Club in Cadillacs, you know, with, uh, you know, two women on their arm, 
Like, doesn't make any sense, right? So that's mm. so he ends up getting sucked in. Yeah, I, I really like that read of it. I think when I was watching it, that was kind of like more like on the background of my mind as I was watching. I was kind of like, oh, like he's an immigrant. He's trying to to make it. But like, I don't know. When I got like pulled into the story and everything, I was just kind of as I was watching it, I was more into or thinking more about just him like getting power and then you know getting corrupted and blowing it. Um, mm. So I guess like. From my viewing experience, that was more on the forefront of my mind than this other idea. But um, yeah, I definitely, I definitely like what you're saying. I think that's a more interesting and more um, important way to read the movie. Yeah. I think another example you could point to of where, um, and it's, it's it culminates in like a great shot in the film. But it, like Tony Montana has not only sold this idea of the American dream by observing the other people in Miami, but there's the like it's like the Goodyear blimp that's like flying. Yeah, yeah. Over I, was, I was just about to say, and it, it has really the, says like. The world, is, the yours. world is yours, and then he gets the same globe, like the same thing on that globe, and it inspired so. the hit 2006 video game Scarface. <laughs> the world is yours, um, but yeah, that they, the game was inspired by the blimp, not by the movie, just by the well. This, without yes. that game, like we wouldn't still be talking about this movie today, you know? Yeah, like, right. Yes. It really carried people, it people had forgotten about Scarface until that game came. They got to remaster that one. But yeah, no, I I, I agree with. Uh, you Bryce, I like Chris's read on on how it like it kind of parallels yeah. the hustle culture. That was that was something like in the maybe in the back of my mind when I was watching it, but now that like you've kind of brought it to the forefront, I think that it's a much better way to think about this movie. I, I guess I don't know where else we go from here in terms of discussion. I I will say that um like th- th- there's a lot of like dark serious subject matter in the movie, right? Like and and somehow I think through the the kind of the way that the, that pop culture has like popularized some of the lines. The like, movie feels like pretty campy sometimes. Yeah. Yes, there there's one. Mo- well, so like I think the, the the lines that people think of when they think of Scarface, like say hello to my little friend, and then um I I I only have two things in this world: my balls and my words, and I don't break them for no one. Um, yeah. like there those alone because they like come up, they almost at inject like like levity into the film because they're yeah. like, Oh, I, like, I recognize that. Before. But one of my favorite moments from the movie that is like a little campy is the, the scene that kind of where Tony Montana flips from being like an enforcer to like being the man in charge when he kills Frank Lopez and then the, yeah. the informant. And you know, there are three guys in the room, Frank, the, or like the dirty cop. And then like Frank's henchman, Ernie, and yeah. you know he kills the first two guys, yeah. and then the music's like really <laughs> swelling, and then they like there's like a close up shot of Ernie, and he looks really concerned, and then they're like, and then I think Manny says, "Hey Tony, what about what about Ernie?" And then the music's <laughs> swelling, and it cuts to him, and then the music immediately cuts, and Tony Montana says, hey, "Ernie, you want a job?" <laughs> like it's like I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, and it's, it's like such great. a such a great moment that like is maybe kind of subtle, and like people may just kind of like like glance away from it but i i just thought it like added like a nice little break to this really intense scene adding on to the campiness like with a lot of the scores like very synth synth heavy right it's fantastic it it feels like it feels like this is like almost like the quintessential like 80s movie yes (laughs) and oh oh and and of course the the my favorite sequence in the movie is like when he's getting rich and there's like the fucking montage set to like push um, it to the limit yes, as he's yes. like oh. opening up all his businesses and like getting all the cash. There's like the this like three or four minute like montage to push to the limit, which is just fantastic. It felt like pure like 80s camp, and I love that sequence. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. 
Yeah, the Giorgio Moroder soundtrack, it's like, the thing that's interesting is that, like, actual 80s, like, I mean, synthwave is, like, I guess a more m- recent term, but, like, this mm-hmm. the kind of synthwave that you'd hear now is all kind of, like, sort of um, dark, almost. Yeah. But, like, the actual, like, 80s stuff, especially, like, Giorgio Moroder stuff, it's very, like, peppy, you know? It's very, it's very like, high energy. It felt like vibrant like, Miami's yes. beach, like, party, yeah. Yeah, and it, it feels, you know, it definitely, those moments where you're kind of having, you know, Obviously, in these gangster movies, you have like the good times, right? You know, and like the the, the part where like the five minute, like the little, it's like the zenith of their whole life where they're rich and they can actually enjoy it for like five seconds, right? Before the, <laughs> you know, before all the goons are climbing over the the fence on the security. Yeah, he, he, he gets squad. one. He gets one montage to enjoy it. Yeah. Yes, yes. So like you know, it works perfectly for that moment. You know, one thing I wanted to talk about was that like you know this is a Brian De Palma movie and like. Oh. You really felt like I think if we can if we contrast it to say Goodfellas, you know, which Scorsese is like, you know, a bit more serious, right? And you guys have already mentioned this movie was kind of campy, but like there's some, you know, I've seen a couple other Brian De Palma movies. Um, I've seen Body Double, which is I love that movie, by the way. Um, that's a weird one. It is. Uh, it's very weird. <laughs> and I've also seen this this one called Sisters, right? Um, which yeah. is another. It's like a black and white, really trippy, um, older film from and Brian De Palma like. He he almost is like he he he's like quasi like David Lynchian almost in like some of just some of the kind of weird images that he puts on the screen. Now, there's a couple of examples of that in this movie. The first one that really jumped out to me is just being like downright strange in like just sort of just like trippy kind of way was when when uh Scarface when Tony Montana and uh Frank's like de facto like second in command uh omar when they go to bolivia to meet with sosa the supplier and you know tony montana is not letting uh omar do his job at all he's like totally like kind of stonewalling just stepping him. on his toes yeah so oh, this so, is the guy that's played by um f murray abraham or, yeah. yes so after that like sosa is like oh why don't you know why don't tony why don't you stay here uh there's a helicopter waiting it'll take you back to to the airport and you can get in the jet to go to Miami and you'll be back by tomorrow, right? Mm-hmm. But obviously it's a setup because when in a gangster movie, whenever whenever anyone tells you, why don't you go over there by yourself and get in that vehicle? They're going to kill you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's just how I'll it works. Joe, Joe Pesci, <laughs> yes, when he's getting made in Goodfellas. Yes. So, but there's an image of like they they like hang him off the side of a helicopter and then that he's just like the helicopter's just like flying around and like he's just like dangling by a rope off the side of the helicopter. And that that was like that to me felt like just like such a like like one it didn't seem even remotely realistic they would do something like that because it doesn't really make any sense <laughs> like <laughs> it's like the most inefficient way to kill somebody right yeah but they like hand him like a telescope so he can like, yeah and then they give him it. binoculars right and like there's this whole thing in the movie Body Double which I don't know if you've seen it Bryce but there's this whole binoculars thing no, right. No. Yeah, so I'm just saying that like that felt like a very like Brian De Palma touch. It was like kind of disturbing, but also weird and sort of trippy. Where you just have this shot of him like watching this dangling body through binoculars, and they're like, "Oh, he's dead," because you can see him swinging from the helicopter, you know. Um, and then there's another moment way later at the very end um, when, as the goon squad is coming over the fence to get Tony Montana, which I love that shot by the way, where he's stand- sitting there over his desk with a yeah, mountain yeah. of cocaine. Yeah, he is like. And, and he, he spent, like, 10% of his fortune on, like, his surveillance. Yes. 
system, but he, nobody's looking at the screens when there's yes. thousands of guys storming that, his man. That <laughs> shot is the whole movie. I love it when you have a shot where it's like, that's the whole movie. That shot is like the movie. You know what I'm saying? He's sitting there <laughs> in his beautiful desk. He's got his name monogrammed on the chair. He's got a mountain of cocaine. He's got, he's, he's got he's his sitting security on a system. It's, it's yes, it's a, it's a throne. Exactly. <laughs> so that that's a cool moment. But then you have the, the um, you know, his sister comes in and she's like half naked and she's like, like do you want me? Yeah, she's like, come and take me. And she's like shooting at him, right? And and like, so she's like, like you said, he, she's totally deranged. She's like acting almost as though she's like seducing him, but then she's shooting at him. Yeah, and I mean, that, her husband was killed, you know, 20 right. minutes earlier. And she's, yeah, so. It's, oh, no, I mean, it makes perfect it's sense. It's acceptable to be deranged, yeah. It makes perfect sense. But just that image, you know, and that, that the way, like doing the scene like that where she's like half seducing him and half firing at him you know that also felt like a very sort of trippy kind of weird off kilter brian de palma moment and if you watch that movie sisters that movie actually is about a woman with two personalities and she she switches between like being this seductress and also being like a psycho killer so like it, it just kind of reminded me of of that so like those were the those are two moments that really jumped out to me like this is like you know these are like very specific like brian de palma kind of choices um, to present this action. And it's like different than how Scorsese would have done it. Like Scorsese wouldn't have had the guy dangling out of the helicopter like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, yeah. Is Body Double the one where like the guy like gets an apartment from his friend? Yes. And yes. like yes. he watches the woman like. Yes. And then, okay. Yeah, I really like that movie. I love that movie. We should, we should, we should put that on here sometimes. It's like, <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> I, you mentioned, you know, uh, Omar Omar, what was his last name? Suarez. Suarez, yeah. Yeah, like played by F. Murray Abraham. And there's like two kind of like really classic character actors in this movie that I did not recognize, when, you know, when I watched this for the first time. One being F. Murray Abraham, who I think famously was in the Grand Budapest Hotel. Um, and he's an Amadeus. Yeah, he, he's a, he's in a lot of other stuff. Like, again, he's kind of like a classic character actor. But then also um, Mark Margolis, who like was famously in Breaking Bad as Hector yeah, Salamanca. Right. Um, he's he plays the shadow, who's kind of this like mysterious, like tall hitman, the guy that Tony Montana eventually kills in New York. Yeah. And I was pretty surprised to see these guys, like, you know, all the way back in '83. Um, yes. You know, you know, yeah. In, it feels like this, my like, discussion of, of Spider-Man at the beginning of today. When I'm like, <laughs> all these other random actors and actresses in it that I didn't. Yeah. I, didn't I was gonna mention that he was in Breaking Bad. Also, you know, Stephen Bauer was in an episode of Breaking Bad. I'm pretty oh, sure. Oh, really? There's an episode where they go down to Mexico and they're in like a mansion and, oh, and Stephen that, Bauer is like the drug lord. Huh. I, it's been a while, but I'm almost positive he was in there. But yeah, I I, I just I appreciated that and like was was pretty surprised because yeah, F. Marie Abraham looks very different now. <laughs> no, it is. Yeah. I guess so does Al Pacino. Al Pacino looks insane now. <laughs> like I saw his name in like the opening credits and I was like, that's him, right? Yeah. That's him? Like I wasn't sure, but yeah, yeah. it was him. Um, oh. One thing I wanted to mention is during that whole final, um, you know, sequence where where the compound gets stormed and Tony Montana gets killed. We've been talking about before how we love in movies how there's like characters that like seem like that they're very important, but you don't get like a backstory about them at all. They just kind yeah. of like, show up. Oh, yeah. There's like there's like the Terminator dude with like, <laughs> yes. the sunglasses and like the shotgun. That's just like uh -huh. he's like somebody. Like we don't know who yeah. he is, but clearly yeah. like. He's some random like badass, and like I just love how like this is the guy that like takes out Tony. Like yeah. it seems it seems to make it more important, even though we don't know who this guy is. Like he's still like such a character, the S tier level one hundred hitman. 
I didn't see I I didn't see it in the credits if like what if his character was named but on in Wikipedia it, the 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 final paragraph like clearly says that the man that kills him is Sosa's right hand man the skull, oh. <laughs> which is pretty baller. He's That's got awesome. like oh, he has like some of the most badass henchman names the skull and the shadow. Another callback to past essential viewing is um. The scene when uh, Frank first tries to kill, or the only time, well, Frank, when Frank tries to kill Tony, he's, like, meeting with, with that, like, dirty cop mm-hmm. in the, the bar, right? Or the mm-hmm. club. Yeah. And, then, and the cop is drinking milk. Oh, my God. Yes, I forgot about that. Like, like who the who is drinking milk at the club? Like, it just made me think back to, like, okay, yeah, this cop is, like, a complete joke, you know? It's, like, he's drinking milk. Yeah. And also, okay... In that scene, like, there's that show going on, right? Like, what is what is this performance that's being put on? He's, like, in this weird, like, costume with, oh, like, like, a yeah. pig mask or whatever. Like, I, I just, I'm, like, very curious. Like, what was that? Does anyone know? And I, I don't know. And then, like, the hitmen are, like, hesitant at first. Like, they're, like, yeah, ready. Yeah. I thought they were going to shoot the weird guy in the mask. And then he it seems, comes it's, It seems like another one of those, like, weird De Palma moments that, like, Chris is kind yeah. of like, Yeah. Well, the hitmen's, I think they were hesitant because of the spotlight. It was, like, the spotlight was making oh. them. They didn't want to shoot while the spotlight would show who they were. But then they, like, stand up and start blasting the place. So it's, like, everyone saw who they were anyways. <laughs> yeah. But... <laughs> One uh, minor segment I wanted to ask you guys is just like fa- like overall like favorite line or favorite like bit of dialogue. Bryce, I know you said you're looking forward to hearing Tony Montana say say hello to my little friend. Yeah, I was I was waiting for that the whole movie. I didn't think it was gonna be. I didn't think I was gonna have to wait so long. When it finally happened, it was you know one of those those big like jump out of your seat you know cheer at the screen kind of moments. Yeah, like, he did it. It's it, I know Chris has brought up the idea of like liking films that they 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 end when the narrative arc has like concluded and this yes. fits that to a T like literally yes. Tony Montana dies in the movie ends. <laughs> like that's yeah. it. You don't need any more. Yeah, it's like a, such an uh, such a, like an, an an excellent like final like 15 minutes to a movie. Like there's no like you know slow fade to black. Like it's just boom bloodbath the movie's over. And you see that you and see it kind of and it, and it pulls out and you see the globe. Yeah, oh, you yes. see the the globe. But they don't cut to five years later when Tony's Tony's kid picks back up the the cocaine trade. Oh my god! Although it did say Tony Montana will return at the end of the credits. I don't know oh, what that did. was about. I, I was <laughs> oh, well, he he returned in the video game, right? Yeah, yeah. They, he did return eventually. But yeah, so so Chris, what well, if you had to pick a one line, like your favorite? like line or dial bit of dialogue from the movie i like the scene where it's not so much a line but i like the scene where they're they're drinking those pineapple drinks and then manny is explaining how the the tongue wagging thing is oh, works yeah. amazingly well with all the american <laughs> girls uh-huh. and then he goes and does it and gets slapped yeah and then i think right <laughs> and then he's tony's like tony's like telling a little kid like to watch like, yeah and this then guy make a fool out of himself that's when tony says you got to get the money in this country you got to get the money first then you get the power then you get the women which is often misquoted as first you get the money then you get the power then you get the respect which is a famous line from this movie that's never actually said because he says first you get the money then you get the power then you get the women um yeah <laughs> but that's actually interesting that that line is interesting to me because it kind of parallels with like much later in the movie when he's in his bathtub and um elvira who he kind of dreamed about being his wife and being the mother of his children is like just like shit talking him 
You know, she actually like family. calls him some some slurs and like yeah. just is very yeah. Like, I gotta throw some him. praise to Michelle Pfeiffer for, uh, for this movie for sure. Yeah, um, she like you know she gets like you know these are a bunch of asshole guys in the movie that are, like kind of like insulting her and not treating her well, but like she like continually like stands up to them and like yeah. throws well, shit she... back at them, and then at the end of the movie, like she's just like I'm done with you, Tony, and she just like. Well, bounces and leaves, which is like good for her. <laughs> stands up to them is one way to put it. I almost feel like it was more like she just had this kind of bored, like she's like this bored nihilistic junkie, you know, like nothing matters to her besides like getting more cocaine and the rest of it. She just sort of puts up with in service of getting more cocaine. You know, that was kind of my interpretation of her, her character. Um, I guess I'm thinking about like some scenes where like she like vehemently like shuts down tony when he's like i'm gonna yeah marry you or whatever and she's like i mean he had to he had to kill frank first once once he killed frank (laughs) it was all good um the thing that what i was gonna say though is that like i think it's it's interesting parallel with how he explains his theory of how things work right and then when he goes through all those steps it's very clear that it didn't work right like (laughs) yes like he he has money right but he can't really do anything with it besides launder it, you know, mm-hmm. and it's it's event, counting his money is is what gets him caught eventually. Right. He has power. Oh, I forgot to say in my overview that he gets caught. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he has power, but he can't go into a nice club and have a meal. You know, like he has power in the drug world. You know, he has power to call hits on people and stuff. But he doesn't he doesn't have the kind of power where he can go into like so-called polite society and be respected right and he has a woman she's in his his house snorting his cocaine but she doesn't really have any affection for him or any respect for him you know so it's like he has this he had this in that scene which is like a playful scene right he laid out his grand theory of like how his you know how making it in america was going to work right Mm. and then like we see you know two hours plus later that he got all those things but it's kind of like you you know, you be careful what you wish for, right? Like he got exactly what he said he was gonna get, but it like is like this sort of sick, kind of perverted version of it where he can't actually extract any joy from it. Speaking of speaking of polite society and favorite lines, um, I loved the sequence kind of later on in the movie when like he's having he's out for like the fancy dinner, right? With his Yeah. I don't know who's all there, it's like a double date or something. And like he just like flips out and like <laughs> You know, he has this whole kind of uh, monologue right there, and it kind of ends with a line. This is the only quote I actually have written down here on my notes. He says, I always tell the truth, even when I lie. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Which is just like such a great, a great thing for him to say. (laughs) It's a very well-written movie. Oliver Stone wrote the screenplay. And let me say, I was doing some reading about this. So apparently um, Oliver Stone, in preparation for this movie, he went to Miami and got addicted to cocaine. He did. Yeah. He went to Miami and did a ton of cocaine for like two years. And then he left after like living that life and then went to Paris and like locked himself in a room and like wrote the script. Wrote the movie sober. Yeah. yeah sober. <laughs> I actually have a wealth of facts about the, uh, the, 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 this was like a very troubled production of this movie. Yeah. I, I think it, I, I think I read the yeah, same. Okay, you read you read the same. You read the Vulture yeah. article too. Okay, <laughs> well we could just we we'll, we'll just, I'll just I'll just start from the top. So so the, this movie was you know as these classic gangster movies tend to be. This movie was extremely controversial. 
at the time of its release for a couple of reasons. One, of course, is like the, you know, the violence. And um, this movie got an X rating initially when it came out for violence, not for sexual the, the content. The first three times it was Yes, <laughs> yes. It got an X rating for violence. Um, and Brian De Palma had to recut a bunch of times. And they ended up going with the original cut and getting it, you know, they ended up like shoving an R rating onto it somehow without actually stripping it, it down. Got, it got to the point when Brian De Palma was like, I'm not going to like change this anymore like if you want to change my movie you're going to like get a different director and have him like right recut it it was kind of like a bluff um, right but that kind of a bluff paid off and then they actually got the r rating with the original intended cut right exactly um another thing is that like so the other controversy in this movie is that um the portrayal of uh, the, the Cuban community in Miami, which is obviously a big community in Miami, and the city of Miami itself, by extension, um, was was concerned about like this movie's portrayal of Cuban Americans and the idea that it would like create this negative stereotype of Cuban Americans as being these violent, vicious gangsters. So like the whole of Miami came together to like block this movie from being shot in Miami. Like everybody came together to like make sure this movie was not filmed in Miami. They were trying really hard to film it in Miami. They ended up having to film it in California and just do some exterior shots in Miami because they were concerned, like, you know, people are going to be throwing fire bombs at Al Pacino or something while they were filming. <laughs> so, like, they ended up filming it in California after, like, a big, like, war in the media and the press uh, about, you know, filming this movie in Miami. Apparently, this movie, um, it, it ruined Brian De Palma's marriage because... His wife, who was an actress, was angry that she didn't get cast in the role that Michelle Pfeiffer ended up playing. Uh, and so Brian De Palma said that it led to his his eventual divorce, which happened shortly after. And also they were, you know, the movie went way over schedule and over budget, as these movies do. Um, I think it ended up costing... I think it was, like, it was supposed to be like around 10 to 15 million, but ended yeah. up like 25 or 30. Yeah. Yes. Just yes. pennies by today's standards. Yeah, for real. <laughs> like, yeah, and I should mention that there's also there's actually if, I don't know if you guys watched to the end of the credits, but there's actually a um, a disclaimer at the very end of the credits. That yes, says, I did see this. Yes, and it says Scarface is a fictional account of the activities of a small group of ruthless criminals. The characters do not represent the Cuban American community, and it would be erroneous and unfair to suggest that they do. The vast majority of Cuban Americans have demonstrated a dedication, vitality, and enterprise that has enriched the American scene. Uh, so yeah, that was that was put in there as part of these negotiations that happened um, in the process of like trying they to get this movie that from at, the like, Miami the, at the beginning the of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> they should have they should have taken <laughs> not, an not intermission. People, not many people sit around to the end. They should have <laughs> led with that. <laughs> they should have done an intermission and then like a PSA of like Cuban school teachers and firefighters. Al, Al Pacino is not. Cuban, right? That's no. another thing that definitely would have been a controversy now. Yes, is that yeah. like a lot of people were painted in colors other than their actual skin color in this movie. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, w- one thing I will say is like, aside from Pacino portraying a Cuban guy when he's Italian or Italian American, like that's a, that's another that's a can of worms. But yeah. I will say that like I think that Al Pacino's like he 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 like really transforms and becomes this character. Like when I see. Tony Montana I don't think oh that's Al Pacino I think that's Tony yeah. Montana like he's like synonymous yeah. like it's it's very difficult I, I like so he really transforms into this character I and I don't I don't think it was an issue with my version of the film that I was renting or watching on, on Amazon but 
I did have a difficult time understanding him at like <laughs> like yeah. speaking in the film to a point where I actually turned on the subtitles, which is something I'm kind of like vehemently opposed to, just to like make sure I was because he has such great lines and is written so well that I wanted to hear everything he was saying. And there were some times where I felt like I was missing it because of either like it sounded like he was almost like overblown. His audio track was like overblown in a way, even compared to the other actors. Um, so that would be my my like minor kind of great. His accent was wild and like yeah, that's it's, it's like a crazy like <laughs> character basically of like yeah. I don't think anyone actually talks like that. But, yeah. But it but works. Like, yeah, it does work. It does work. Um But I mean, I don't know. What else? Like I don't I should also story? mention Blink 182, the band. I don't know if that was in that Vulture article as well, but the 182 is the number of times that Al Pacino says the F word in this movie. Wait, oh, really? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> what, what an obscure... So should we, you heard should we round first. out this episode by saying the F word 182 times? Let's do it. <laughs> 60... Buckle in, folks. <laughs> I, I have to say... I. I we didn't have this criticism here, but I, I mean, one criticism that I could anticipate about this movie is, oh, it's, it's like too exaggerated. Everything's too cartoonish and over the top. And I, I don't know about what you guys think, but I feel like it has to be that way. Yeah, like, I, I, it wouldn't I, work yeah, any other way. I, we I, talked about how it was pretty campy already, and like that was one of the things I liked about it. I, I think I kind of mentioned it at the top, too, about how like I, it's, it's very excessive, but it's fitting for the role. Like, Tony Montana lives an excessive lifestyle. And it's it's similar to um I don't want to compare uh Stalker and <laughs> Scarface, but how Stalker like the film is very long and dragging. It kind of like yes. makes you feel this this same the similar emotions that the characters in Stalker feel by by being exposed to this long kind of dragged out experience. Similarly, like Scarface is such it's almost like overstimulating. There's so much like crazy shit happening. That yeah. it, it like kind of em- further emphasizes the wild lifestyle that Tony Montana has. Yeah, like if yeah. it wasn't that excessive and that insane, like for if the movie was this long and it wasn't that insane the whole time, like I would not have liked it as much. But like yeah. you know, the crazy stuff always happening kind of keeps you going. Yeah, like yeah. it doesn't feel frivolous. Like it feels like all the excess is there for a reason. It's not just like oh, hardy har har. Look how like like weird and crazy this is. There's a there's a purpose for it. Yeah, I think it's another instance of like the form of the movie being part of the storytelling, just like how, like you said, Stalker, like the boredom of it is actually part of the story and part of like making sure that you experience the story in the right way. Mm-hmm. And I think the excessiveness is in, and even in that excessiveness that bleeds into everything, like how the characters talk and what they dress and the cars they drive. It's very important to like nailing the tone, you know. And yeah. it's not like Miami is like some subdued kind of place, anyways. I mean, Miami's pretty crazy, right? Like, yeah. I don't know if you guys have been down there, but like, it's 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 pretty wild. Once, but it was a while ago. <laughs> I've yet to set foot in the great state of Florida. Yeah, well, you're probably better off. Right? <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, I think you immediately get COVID when you walk. <laughs> oh, <Florida. laughs> um, I guess what one thing I that uh i wanted to ask you chris before wrapping up is like have you seen you haven't seen the original film that it's based upon right i haven't no okay i haven't seen it i i think that would be a very interesting comparison because i know that like i i actually didn't know that uh that this was a remake until i watched this the second time um like it's one of those examples that where like the the remake has completely supplanted like the other film 
from like yeah. the, cult, the cultural memory. I was reading that like this movie got made because like Al Pacino like watched the original and was like, "All right, I like that. Let's do it." Yeah. <laughs> Uh, one thing I'm just looking at a still from the from the original Scarface. One thing is, you know, the namesake of the film, Tony Montana's scar is like pretty like minor. Like it's a it's a small yeah. detail. You don't really like you I have the time. It. You don't even really realize it, but like it, it works. I, I think I, I've 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 said my piece. I don't know how you guys feel. Yeah, I think I'm good to to wrap it up. One thing I do want to mention: the New York scene where they go to kill the. The journalist guy. That scene takes place like right by where I used to live. They drive past a park. <laughs> they drive past a park that I like used to go. Like like where they drive is like my old running route. Like, oh man. So like it was kind of cool seeing that. You... Like they literally if the if the camera had been pointed a different way, they would have seen the spot where my old apartment building was. This is a this is a very this is another aside, but a very big aside, but in Beyond the Professional, we talked about the uh, yes, I was the ferry to the Roosevelt Island. Yeah. And since watching that, I saw the same, um, not ferry, the, the same tram, the, the tram, the tram. I saw it yes. in both the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movie and in this movie. Yes. <laughs> so now I am fully aware of its existence. Nice. Whatever we, whatever movie we watch next, has to have the Roosevelt Island tram in it. Yes. Oh. I was, going. I was going to say we need to start watching more films set in in and around Minneapolis, just so Bryce can give his like little <laughs> tidbits and facts about locations. Yeah. Um, jing, jingle all the way. Yeah. Even though I don't. Yeah. That's and, and then we could just watch Fargo too. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, I guess uh, Bryce, do you want to kick us off with your score? Yeah. Um, I think like usual. Or like I like to happen on a central thing. I feel like I like to come out of these episodes with a higher score, um, give the movie a higher score than like when I f- first thought when I finished watching. I think that's definitely the case today. Um, I think like we had a really fun discussion about this one and kind of the the more thematic elements that Chris brought to light in terms of kind of like the you know striving for like that kind of American excess is what you know brings his downfall and kind of makes Tony into a horrible person. It's a really great um, read of this movie and a theme I can get behind. Um, however, I do think, you know, some parts in the movie in the middle maybe dragged a little bit for me. Maybe that would change on a, a viewing in the future, you know, kind of when, when I know the big picture. Um, and I do still think that kind of like, there is definitely still that idea of like, you know, power corrupting you. It just seems a little like, unchallenging and uninteresting um still like wonderfully executed but maybe not um my favorite uh thing in a movie mm. so i think i'm gonna go four out of five. Oh, oh that's actually a bit higher than i thought yeah that's, that's not what i was expecting i mean it's it's not a three no way yeah no 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 three and even three and a half seems a little low i think but goodfellas has, was has a to three. be at least yeah no goodfellas is definitely a three and i'll speak to oh that. my god I, I said i liked this more than goodfellas that's like one of the first things i said yeah yeah and i i agree with bryce i think in my 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 letterbox write-up so please you know everyone check out that letterbox write-up uh <laughs> i mentioned how it, i feel like these kind of gangster films can often be vehicles for just like well i guess what i'll say is male fantasy like the boys like chopping it up like playing co- like playing poker like smoke chomping on cigars like like hanging with the ladies which is like all fine and good right like they're fun uh and i felt that that like goodfellas was more that and obviously there's still that present in scarface but scarface has like a level of like cinematic prowess and like 
style that I can get behind or I got behind way more than in Goodfellas and enjoyed much more. It's such an iconic film and has influenced culture in such for better or for worse in such like a, a massive way. Um and and I I you know really enjoyed it. It feels like everything does have its purpose even though it I mean in there's like it's it's all killer no filler. It's mm-hmm. like uh even though it is almost 3 hours long. Like I don't think that there's anything that was like frivolous or not not worth seeing in this movie. Um, even the five minute, you know, montage with push it to the limit in the background. I mean, that was the best part yeah. of the whole thing. Yeah, that's one of the best parts. <laughs> um, and so this is like, yeah, definitely a film that I, I enjoyed. Um, I I think it's 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 so close to being, you know, it's so close to being like top tier for me. But it's uh, I, I'm going to be giving it four and a half. Well, I'm sure I'm sure Chris is giving this five. So I think he's doing the essential viewing calculus <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean. You know, I, I love, like I said, this is one of the movies that I probably saw this movie. I, I, I think I was probably a little too young to be watching this movie the first time I saw it. <laughs> you know, so like this is this is one of those movies that it just lodged in my, my brain as like, like I said, sort of like the one of the cornerstones of my my taste in movies. You know, it's 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 gritty. It's grimy. It's dark. It's nasty. It's nasty. <laughs> but it's also like a lot of fun, you know? And I stand by my statement that like part of what makes these movies so great is that like, you know, you get that feeling that like, okay, I see the glory of this lifestyle in a way. Like I see the glamour of it, right? And then you see what it the cost of it, you know? Like that's part of what makes these movies so effective. And like this movie really nails both of those aspects, both the the, the glitz and the glamour, but also like the, the dark consequences of of living this kind of way. You know, and it's 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 an exam. Like I said, it's an examination of the the so-called American dream and uh, the American culture, the excess, the consumerism, the materialism, the greed that I, I I really feel like is is so relevant today. You know, we, we live in a time where people it seems like people will do anything for a buck. You know, you have all these yeah. these stories. You yeah, know. Chris, your 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 discussion of that definitely upped my score. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you look at stories now, like you know, like Elizabeth Holmes, like the Theranos story, and like you know, like stuff like that. Like it's it's like it's 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 a very American story. You know, like if if there was like like you know people people think about like you know the westerns or something. But I, I feel like these gangster movies are are equally like very like american stories um and it's big it's it's epic i i i like seeing grand stories nobody makes three-hour movies anymore and i, I love seeing you know uh, good we watched one a couple I mean, weeks ago no one besides <laughs> the the russo brothers um <laughs> makes them anymore so you know I, I i feel like this is the kind of story that like the the cinema was like made to tell you know um so i i love it for that reason um, obviously, you know, Al Pacino, the Giorgio Moroder soundtrack, everything about this movie is great. I, I, I would be dishonest for me to give this movie anything less than, than five stars. The 13 and a half total. I had to. Yeah, that's 13.5. So that means yeah. is that, that. Is that our highest? That's I think our highest. This is our highest right? reviewed movie of all time oh, here God. on Central We're going to get put on a list for being the one <laughs> film podcast that res- Scarface is the highest reviewed film. <laughs> Top five worst film podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> that's the list we put on. Number three, <laughs> Central Review. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm honored we're not number one. <laughs> yeah, but. Um, 
Yeah, you guys got to get on the board. What are you guys doing? I know. I I, I think my, ne- my next pick, which is in a few weeks, I think I'll I'll I'm well. I, never mind. I'm not gonna say anything. Honestly, you can't you can't call it bait because like I picked a movie that by all predictions would not get on the board with the way you guys reacted to Goodfellas. I felt like there's no chance. I thought I was gonna be fighting for my life this whole podcast, like Tony oh, Montana man. in his in his mansion at the end of. The end of this movie. That's that's what I was preparing for. You oh know. man. Oh okay. Well then, I guess we'll 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 see what we'll see what goes down from my pick. But I, yeah, I like this dynamic now of us just trying to fucking get on the board. Get on the board. Now now it's gonna be a race for who gets the first fifteen star movie. Oh oh man. That's that's impossible, Bryce. I think like we'll we'll, I mean, we'll, we'll quit the podcast when we do that. I mean, I feel like the Matrix, the original one. I mean, we'll we'll discuss yeah. it right when we do our our uh, resurrections episodes. Well, I mean, I'll be busting up the flamethrower again for that one. If you know <laughs> what I mean, but yeah, well, there, there there you have it, everyone. That's the thirteen and a half uh, review from the Essential Viewing Boys, um, the highest so far. Pinnacle, the pinnacle of Essential Viewing cinema. In the our, most essential uh, film film we've ever viewed. I dare say. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so what are we watching next week? Do we do we discuss that, right? Yeah. So next week we're heading back to the cinema. Um, Chris got his his gangsters uh, this week, and uh, next week we're going back to superheroes, right? With uh, the only two the newest... movies, types of movies we'll watch. <laughs> the only two types of movies we watch on Essential Viewing now. We're going to be seeing a uh, Spider Man, No Way Home. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Something something home. That's the that's something. the name. I almost said right Far now. from Home, but that was the last one. Yeah. Spider-Man No Way Home in theaters. Spider-Man, uh, I'd rather 17th. stay at home. Yeah. What's, what's, what's the outlook on this? What's the Motley Fool say about No, uh, no Way how, Home? How are you feeling, Chris? I'm, I'm hyped. How, how are I you I mean, feeling? I'm actually, you know, Spider-Man has been a bright spot in this, this Marvel MCU for me. I, I, I've liked both of the, the Tom Holland Spider-Man outings. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm... I'm and you know, with, with the prospect of, of a return of the great Tobey Maguire... Yeah, um, I mean, I mean, old villains are coming back. Are the yeah. old Spider-Man gonna come back? We yeah. can only, we can if we only get mean, see, if we see Willem Dafoe and Tobey Maguire, that going be, at it, that'll be legendary. Well, Willem Dafoe's confirmed. I mean, maybe maybe he'll just like be in the Goblin suit, but like Goblin is in the movie. Yeah. So I mean, w- with that prospect, that puts me at a solid. You know, I'm I'm medium bullish on this one. Yeah. Um, it's a bu- buy rating from the. That's the a buy rating. It's a solid buy rating. The, mo- the Motley Cuevas. <laughs> the Motley I, I've Cuevas. been on the hype train for the last couple months, of course. Yeah. We got a solid buy rating across solid. the board from the ascent investment panel here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll be there. We'll be. We'll, our asses will be in seats. That that concludes our our discussion of of the 1983 Scarface here on the podcast. Um, as was mentioned, next week we'll be watching Spider Man No Way Home. So. Find a way to the theater to watch that one. Uh, um, yeah, so that 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 wraps it up. Uh, I am Christian Cuevas here with Cole Bielan and Bryce Kramer. And thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next week.
had this PS2 game called Enter the Matrix that was like the coolest thing oh. ever. Speaking speaking of PS2 games, um, I was really <laughs> I was really excited this week when Chris decided to have us play Scarface: The World Is Yours <laughs> for, for Essential Gaming this week. I I remember specifically when it came out for Wii because like I was always trying <laughs> it came to out like, for Wii. <laughs> Yes, because like I didn't have like a PlayStation or like an Xbox, but I still wanted to like get like somewhat mature games. So when everyone like came out, like it was on my radar, and like Scarface was one of them. I didn't end up getting it, but like you could play Scarface: The World Ends with You on your Nintendo Wii. Oh, oh wow, I'm gonna that's have to hilarious. Dust off my Wii. <laughs>